I'm very happy to be on here talking about the general NBA because uh, I, I am not, well, I'm, the, the Knicks will come up in this conversation, but I, um, <clears throat> I'm in the mood to talk about some other stuff. How about that? And I hope people are in the mood to hear about some other stuff because look, let this be your, your, your escape. Everybody let this be it's my escape. for it's going to be for us. Let, let's remember we're all basketball fans second while we're Knicks fans first. Yes. And we're gonna we're gonna give you guys a break from the agita that is the next starting lineup, um, and we'll we'll do our best to get you your minds off of things, and we'll just talk about the the first 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 sixth of the NBA season, as it which were. is crazy that we're we're already here. Um, it has gone pretty quick, but like you know, um, I'm happy that we are doing this episode at this time because I well I don't feel like we're talking about a representative sample size quite yet. Cause we're still seeing like wild fluctuations. Again, again, speak of the Knicks. Um, I think for, I think we're kind of, we're really close to learning what we need to learn about a lot of the players in this league and a lot of the teams in this league. Um, but before we get to some individual awards, which is going to be the theme of this episode, uh, way too early awards after the first six of the season, I believe we have some storylines to hit. Do we mm-hmm. not? We do. Yeah, so you, what we're going to try and do yes. is hit the three biggest stories in the NBA every week going forward. Yes. We'll start off with the, the most talked about, the most popular, the most heavily discussed stories going forward. The top of the show will be John and whoever else is with him, most likely me, discussing the three biggest NBA stories over the last week. And um, I will... I will not push back too much on your your number one in your ranking. Um, I will just say that I, I may not have been my number one because I am one. I am not not, not one for tomfoolery as much as some. Oh, I lo- I love a big a good bit of tomfoolery, but I'm not as into the tomfoolery as others. That's all. I'm so lost on what you think is it the number one story in the NBA over the last week. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure you're gonna have Jokic versus or the Jokic brothers, I should say, versus the Morris brothers as the number one story. Yes, the incident that happened at the end of the Nuggets Heat game on Monday night has. What is that? To, if not tomfoolery, that is tomfoolery. All right, so this is where Low versus Simmons comes in, and you would rather break down the X's and O's of the Warriors ten and one start, and I'm like, they fighting, you know. So this is something we have to discuss and react to oh no we have to discuss it and react to it i completely agree um i i guess this is the see here, here's where i struggle with this like what do you say about this it's nikola Jokic being nikola Jokic, and it's uh markeith morris being markeith morris and those two paths intersecting and now like do we need to analyze the fight itself like so- a couple questions and I'll just throw it to you. Sure. First off, in the moment, did you think Jokic was it was a dirty thing and he, it was not it was not no. justified based off of what Morris did to him first? It was absolutely justified. Okay. Did you think that the suspension was justified? One game. Yes, because you have to like yes, you have to suspend him after it was just a, it's like uh, maybe those two things run counter to some people, but it's like he absolutely had to do what he did after Markeith did what he did. And especially like, again, we're not talking about a fucking um, choir boy here. This is Markeith Morris. 
both him and his brother have done a lot of stupid, idiotic shit over the course of the time they've been in there in the, in the NBA. So yeah, I do think it kind of impacts like, uh, like uh, not to get off topic, but there was a moment in the Bucks game where like Derek Rose, I think as, as a Bucks player was like going to call a timeout in the midst of this crazy Knicks run, uh, like maybe bumped the guy a little bit or something. And he like went over to make sure he knew that it wasn't mm-hmm. like a dirty play. Um, and this is the opposite of that, <laughs> you know, this is Mark Eve Morris. So like, yeah, Jokic absolutely like, was he, what is he not going to react? But then at the same time, if you're the league, what are you going to do? Not react to. Well, you're hitting on the fascinating part for me. And it's that the Morris brothers, God bless them, have been the symbol of like enforcers in the NBA since they got into the NBA. It, Eat that term. Whatever the it's such 21, a stupid fucking term. Right, but whatever the 21, 2021 version I, of enforcers I, is, they think that like back to, there's this infamous story of them fighting the football team when yeah. they were at when they were at Kansas and they were back to back fighting off one by one and like that has been their role and the irony of what Marquis more Marquis Morris did is he committed a hard foul a bit of a cheap shot a rip it was shot, a cheap shot and then turned his back because he's throughout his time in the league always expected either his brother to be right behind him watching his back or never expecting a retaliation but what he didn't realize is that he picked the wrong one is that he picked this giant that fights bears in the off season and got the hardest retaliation that he's ever gotten. Probably exactly. His life. And which is why, as if I wasn't already enough of a fan of Nikola Jokic, um, I'm an even bigger one. Now um, I just, one more point before we move on to the next story. The reason I hate that term, because there are no more enforcers in the, right. in the NBA. That's why I said the 2021 yeah. version. Infor- enforcers went away in the nineties. And really probably before that in like the late eighties, early nineties, if you want to get technical, I I think you, the Ewing, the Oakley, I was about to say, yeah, but yeah, the, 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 the league started to litigate out that style of play really, if we're being honest, after the 94 finals and after, you don't think it was after the, the early two thousands, like the mouse of the palace, I think was the last allowed fight going forward. Cause then the league was like, all right, we got to stop. Yeah. But that was, that was off. That was an off court thing. And I think, well, obviously that brand of basketball was very ugly and those games were a little scoring and, and all that stuff. I don't think what you saw and what you were allowed to do rather in the NBA as a player in the early two thousands, I still think it was a far cry from what you were allowed to do through the late eighties. And maybe if you want to get, you know, into the early nineties. Mm-hmm. So that would be my two cents on that. Right. There. Do we have to talk about this? Yes, it's a story, John. It's, I know you don't like the minutia and the scuttlebutt of the no, NBA, but this is a story. But the, this, so this, this actually is meaningful to me because I, uh, so we're going to talk about Scotty Pippen and his, his press tour, I guess. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've defended Scotty a lot over the years. I've been a Scotty guy. I have been in the camp of like, is Scottie Pippen a top 30 all-time player? I don't know. Maybe. How how would we know, right? That this has been this is my point that I was making a Yash on, on the text thread last week. How do we know? We don't know what Scotty would have been on his own team. And because what we have from Scotty is second best guy on the greatest team of a uh, greatest modern team of all time, right? You know, put the Celtics of the 60s and 50s and 60s aside. Um 
we're always going to have that one if, and he always gets the benefit of that doubt. And why does he get the benefit of that doubt for better or worse? Cause he played with the greatest player of all time. Just take your gift and go the fuck home and shut up about it. And no. And, and now it's like, of all the guys you're going to be like, come on, you're going to be smirched this guy. I get you have issues with him personally, but to me, this just makes Scotty look like an absolute clown, an absolute and utter clown. And um, I feel, I don't, I don't want to say I feel bad for him because I don't, but it's like it to me, this is sad what's happening right now. Real quick to those who are not caught up with what's going on with Scotty Pippen. He's a memoir called unguarded coming out. Uh, I think it's available for pre-order or it's already available for you to buy. Um, it is in my cart. I'm fascinated to see whether or not I actually will pull the trigger. on buying this because he won't shut up about God what, bless he, if you what is, oh, but just he won't shut up about what's in it. So there's might not be a point. Um, the quote from a recent GQ article, which is just one of the many interviews he's given. Uh, I'll read it real quick. Each episode, he was basically, he's very frustrated with the edit he got in the last dance and how he and uh, Steve Kerr and Tony Kukoc and the rest of the, the supporting cast with the Bulls were looked at as throwaways. And Michael got an edit that helped him look great, which it was his it, fucking documentary. It's right. so I'm not I'm not upset at all. I think that's why everybody tuned in was that it was the Michael Jordan documentary while it being a Chicago Bulls documentary. Um, Michael also got paid to do like 10 million bucks to do the last dance and Scotty and the rest of the crew volunteered their time to do it. Uh, this is just details that I'm throwing out there. Uh, the quote, each episode was the same. Michael on a pedestal, his teammates secondary, smaller, the message no different from when he referred to us back then as his supporting cast. From one season to the next, we received little to no credit whenever we won, but the bulk of the criticism when we lost. Now, here I was in my mid-50s, 17 years since my final game, watching us being demeaned once again. Living through it the first time was insulting enough. Over the next few weeks, I spoke to a number of my former teammates who each, each felt uh, as disrespected as I did. How dare Michael treat us the way that way after everything we did for him and his precious brand? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. why, you know where my issue is with that, aside from the obvious stuff, my issue with that is uh, we got the blame when we lost. They that's actually really not true because one in the last eight years in, well, the last seven full year, six full years of Michael's career, he did not lose. I'm putting yeah. aside the wizard stuff. And that mm -hmm. has nothing to do with this because they weren't his teammates at that point. And then the one year they lost with Michael 94, 95 to the magic. Michael got a lot of the blame. He was the one who faltered late. You know, he got the ball stolen from him. Like he, you know, it just, he, he shot it poor. Like it was, it's, it's a nonsense statement. It's not accurate. Um, the reason why Michael Jordan is revered the way he is and looked at the way he is and why they are looked at as a supporting cast is because he never lost. And the supporting cast largely changed. It's in fact, every one of them changed with the exception of Scottie Pippen. So I get but but again, none of those other guys get it, get in the conversation of the top 250 players of all time, let alone the top 50 players of all time, let alone the top 30 players of all time, which again, Scotty has that benefit of that doubt. And I think he should be, he should be happy with it. Um, There's look, I'm, I've, 
I've tried to psychoanalyze where he's coming from here. And you look at the other second bananas throughout history, you know, Magic and Kareem, there is no that's real second banana. That's a different they, right. They were they're both all-time greats. Kareem was in a different part of his career mm-hmm. while still being like super productive throughout the 80s. And Magic, like his entire thing was being a supporting cast. So he could be the greatest facilitator ever. Yeah. And be more than happy to pass uh pass the rock. Um, but like we don't talk about Kevin McHale the way we talk about Scottie Pippen. We don't talk about Clay Thompson, the way we talk, we can just sit a whole Thompson didn't Clay even Thompson make did. the f- fucking subs. Tony Parker. How do you think Tony fucking Parker feels? Tony Parker, Parker was a goddamn finals MVP, won four championships with the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Come on. So as a result, I almost wonder if Scotty in his head felt like he picked up a lot of the slack during the 90s that Michael, that Michael, um, left for him to do because of Michael's personality. Michael was very much like at all costs, we're going to win. Even if I have to like ruin a person's life, destroy a person's psyche, make this guy in practices living hell. So it was a good cop, bad cop. And so Scotty felt his entire career being the good cop that that would be rewarded someday. And here he is in his fifties, like, Oh no, I was just tossed to the side. And now he's, I mean, look, there's also a fact that he's in his fifties. How many 50 year olds well, guys in their fifties are just kind of fed up. It's like, listen, I'm so, unfiltered. Now I got nothing to lose. I'm just going to say what I've actually thought this entire time. And I think what this really is, is he's in his fifties and this is a cash grab. And I think if you read his interview to the New York times, which is my God, an astounding, astounding piece of reading. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it very clear that Scotty doesn't know what the hell he thinks. He said some stuff. And he knew if he said certain things, it would sell books. And it is going to sell books because people like you have it in your cart. Is this the interview where he calls Phil Jackson racist? No, it's where he quibble. If he, he, he doesn't know what he said, okay. he's confronted about the statement. And then he's like, well, I did not mean it, but I, you know, and then he just, he can't answer a straight question because yeah. he doesn't know what the fuck he thinks. Um, again, there are people who look at the, the, the 93, 94 season and see, I think he finished third in MVP that year. And they're like, well, if he finished third in MVP that year, maybe he could have finished first or second and they could have done even better. I would argue the opposite. I would argue that that was the best Scotty was ever going to do with a team that had the biggest chip on its shoulder in NBA history. As they went into that season, they were a collective unit. They knew how to play with each other. They had a great coach. And they maxed out with a second round exit and Scottie Pippen getting third and MVP. I would, I think you could make the case that if he plays his entire career and he's the best player on a team and he's surrounding with a pretty good team, he's Dominique Wilkins, not same, same type of player, obviously, you know, better defender and, you know, not as aerial and whatever, but like, and guess what? Nick didn't make top 50. So again, if you're, if the argument for Scotty, if his position is like, I don't like how I'm perceived historically, I think that's absolute bullshit. I think he gets the benefit of the doubt because of, of, of the way his career went. And it's just, this is all sour grapes. And again, a cash grab. I, I don't disagree at all. I think looking back on his career, he will think he was part was, was one a or one B to one of the greatest dynasties in NBA history. And in reality, it's, I mean, look, good for him that your own self-perception is bigger. You'd rather that than, I guess, 
and personally, I'd rather think of myself as one B. But look, we, we talk about this all the time. The disease and more the disease that the Pat Riley thing yeah. that he talked about, um, you know, like, let's let's use a weird correlation. But think of Nick's film school. The reason the four of us work so well together is we all know our roles here. There's no like. Uh, reach for reaching yes. up here. We're all in our specific spots. Chris, Chris is the star, and we are exactly. the uh, Percy Ion and Ayers. Yes, I'm Steve Kerr. You're Judd Butcher. Bill Cartwright. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy's like Jeremy's Will Purdue, and then Chris is over there. We're being Michael Jordan, and he's Jordan and Pippen in one. Actually, exactly. Exactly. Um, even be Phil when you really think about it. Player coach. 